0: This podcast is sponsored by Xero Accounting Software, who proudly support female entrepreneurs and help business owners to see their finances clearly. For help in getting your business digital ready, visit xero.com. Hello everyone and welcome back to episode 7 of the She Can, She Did podcast, aka the podcast that puts a spotlight on women in their teens, 20s and 30s who've dared to go solo and launch their own businesses around the UK and asks them to unveil the reality of what goes on behind the scenes with their business, warts and all, to get to where they are today. If you're tuning in for the first time today, hello, I'm Fee, and I'm the founder of She Can, She Did, which, for the sake of the next hour or so, means that I'm the one asking the questions on this podcast. In today's episode, I sit down with 27-year-old Charlotte Pierce, Forbes 30 Under 30 alumna and founder of Inkpact, the tech company that she launched in 2015 that connects businesses with their customers from all over the world with handwritten notes discussing everything from the early days of Ink Pact when Charlotte first thought of the concept to the glass of wine that helped to secure her first investor so that she could go on to scale the business to why the photo of her that was used in the Forbes 30 under 30 list at the time concealed the stress and anxiety that she was facing behind the scenes in reality the thought process that went into her decision to seek a co-founder and how they've learned to adjust to the shared leadership dynamic along the way to why she's so passionate about emotional intelligence and how she applies its principles to the way in which she runs her company today. What Charlotte has achieved with Inkpact in the space of three and a half years is remarkable, and as someone looking to raise investment for an idea I'm working on behind the scenes with she can, she did at present, my chat with her came at just the right time. Where should we start? Charlotte. Hi. Hello, <laughs> <laughs> shall we start with, I literally am so bored of saying this because I start every podcast, I've only done two recordings now and it one yeah. and I listen back and I'm like, I need a new opening line, yeah. it's always, shall we start with what your business is all about, knowing yeah.
1: words. Okay, um, so I run a technology startup with a big difference called Pact. It's all about helping businesses be more human and create more human connections with their customers. And we've built a tech platform, but really what we do is we send handwritten letters, note cards, gift and gift boxes on behalf of some of the biggest and smallest brands in the UK to help them with whatever point of the customer journey they want. So it might be acquiring new customers, it might be re engaging existing customers, but they physically receive through the post letters and note cards. And the way we do this is we have a great group called the Scribe Tribe who physically handwrite every Every single letter and note card and package up the gift and gift boxes and we can send tens or hundreds of thousands of these at scale for brands so it's super personalized and the great thing is these people are from a huge range of different backgrounds so a lot of them are mothers a lot of single mothers a lot of artists a lot of students a lot of retirees and we actually have a lot of people that are recovering from different illnesses because they get to write from home so I have a background in social enterprise so it's so I'm so passionate about giving people opportunities to work and this allows them to work from home in their pyjamas. We don't care what their CV is. The dream. Yeah. That's and they, I know. Life, I, I know. It's great. <laughs> I think it's earn money writing with their kids there or when they're recovering from illnesses. And yeah, they're the real reason why we started it. And obviously now we have huge value to brand. So we've been able to create a business that's a bit of a win-win-win for everyone, really. That's
0: amazing. I feel like um, on my little Google of you, <laughs> for the yeah. and the Telegraph. Like I feel like when you get into Forbes, <laughs> that's just kind of a validation. Well, like you, you, that's a good business idea. You Yeah, it. I mean, I remember when
1: I got the email and it was like you're in Forbes 30 under 30, and I was like, oh my gosh, it's been on my vision board that one before I was 30, and I got in like 26. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this has <laughs> happened. But interestingly, a little kind of I guess lesson as well is at the same time I saw the picture in Forbes and. I was wearing like this black dress, and it looks like I'm absolutely smashing life. Like, in this, like in the picture. yeah, it looks like I'm just total girl bossing it, right? Behind the scenes at the time, I was not feeling like that. Yeah. And so, I always remember Forbes is a great point in time for me to remember because on the outside, everyone was like, You've made it, you're in Forbes great and behind the scenes i was like a crumbling mess (laughs) and it wasn't and now i look at pictures where i'm not necessarily looking like i'm bossing it so much but i'm much happier and the company's doing much better but i just remember forbes was quite a crucial point in time where i was like it's so important how the outside world see you because for let's say young girls or anyone starting a business looking at that must think oh she's really got her shit together sorry for the swearing but but I no hadn't, problem. right? Like, <laughs> I hadn't got it. I was still figuring it out. And yes, the company had started to get legs. And we'd work with some great clients. And my team is amazing. But I was still figuring it out. To be honest, I'm still figuring it out. And like, personally and emotionally, I wasn't as well. I'm going to use the word advanced. But you know what I mean, mm-hmm. as I am now. So I look at that picture and I think, oh my God, people must think I was absolutely got everything together and i just want to make the point i really wasn't you should have seen the office behind the scenes and i was going crazy i ended up having a bit of an adrenaline problem and loads of kind of health stuff and it's really important when you look at those images to take inspiration from them build great companies and get the best version of themselves but don't forget that that's not the whole
0: picture i literally love that you've um, gone in at the deep end with that because <laughs> that is genuinely exactly why i started this Business more yeah. more to be honest on the social media front, you know, yeah. when you see all these photos. Oh my gosh, it's yeah. just you know, the I hate the phrase, but you know, the girl boss, like classic mm. Instagram feed. Yeah, and I remember just looking at them when I knew I wanted a business. And my parents both launched their own businesses, so my teenagers were like witnessing everything that goes into both of them just small businesses, mm. but the highs and lows that went into that. And so, I remember just looking at, and at these like beautifully curated, you know, off to coffees, working from home. Yeah. Like, and just thinking like, no, it's so not yeah. easy. Not and so lot. the fact that you've said that with a, the fact that you made the Forbes list. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean I'm definitely the what, everything you've just described. <laughs> if I look at anyone on the Forbes list and yeah. I think, God, wow. she's smashing yeah. me. I want to be like that. Yeah. But um let's go back, we'll come on mm. to that. So let's go back to where the idea of impact came from because mm. it's just such a it's so such a unique idea but it's everything, it just ticks every box in my mm. opinion.
1: Yeah, I'd love to say that there's a like, glamorous start to the business, and there really wasn't. So I started the business pretty much way before I actually started the business. So I ran a social enterprise at university as part of an organisation called Anactus, or used to be called SIFE, um, which is a global organisation in most universities in the UK, many around the world, where you set up social businesses, but you have to make money and impact people at the same time. And I ended up becoming the CEO or president of this organisation in Southampton. Um, Which,
0: just to stop you there, is yeah. actually a full-time... I mean, remember like, <laughs> the rag teams and all of that yeah. at, at uni. I went to Leeds and I remember... The head of the president of the rag team. That's yeah. like almost a, a full time job. job. Yeah,
1: yeah. So I had 150 people in my team. We had 13 businesses around the world, and we impacted something like 30,000 people's lives in the year no that babies. I ran the company. <laughs> and I did my degree just about. But I, I mean, I would not change it for the absolute world. I probably didn't live the student life quite as much as everyone else, but I ended up going and speaking to the Russian government about young entrepreneurs. I ended up pitching in Cancun to like 3,000 people, like ridiculous. I would not change it for the world. Um, Made me who I am today and also embedded in me, social business is the only way to do business. Mm -hmm. There is no other way. Mm -hmm. So for me, social enterprise doesn't exist. It's just businesses should just do good because when I saw businesses doing good and making money, I was like, why would you not just do that? Why are we putting social business as, like, a separate thing? Like, almost like a different tick box on on a form. It should just be business. There shouldn't be such a thing. So that's kind of where it it started off the back of loving people. But what really happened is I was running this team of 150 people and had no idea what I was doing. Literally, I'm a student, I'm 20, I can barely dress myself (laughs) and eat food, right? And I suddenly found myself responsible for these 150 people and being their leader. And a family friend of mine ran a franchise called Action Coach, Um, who basically coach business owners, small business owners, to make more money, have more time for themselves. So I went to learn from them on just one training day. And the first half was on the vision and the values of an entrepreneur. And I loved that. And that's kind of where I went. The second half was on marketing. So I just kind of hung around and just came all this way. I might as well learn. And then they were talking about finding it really hard to contact busy CEOs. Mm -hmm. um, Because they're busy. That's part of the reason why they need coaching. And one of the guys said he loves sending handwritten letters. And I was initially like, what? It's the 21st century. What about emails or online? And he just said they get through, they get opened. And I've always been a stationary lover, always. I love writing notes. And so I was like, well, I get it. I always keep my letters from people and... Wow, this could work. And, and then I you, literally
0: have a box underneath my bed with yeah. pretty much every sentimental letter yeah. that I've received since I was about 11 years old. Most people odd. do. Yeah. You would
1: never... And what I then went on to realise is you'd never rip up a handwritten letter before you read it. you will at least read it. So imagine if all of your customers would always read the message you sent. You'd get a 100% open rate. So I was like, it is genius. But I did not invent handwritten letters. I can't come up with that concept. (laughs) But what um, this guy couldn't do is he couldn't scale it. So he could do 10 or 20, but then his hand hurt and no one else wanted to write them. I was working with 30,000 people across the world who wanted an income. And I just went, there must be a way that these people can write your letters. So we started as a little side project of mine Whilst I was still at university, still running an Actis and still doing my degree, a bit mental looking back now, um, and we consistently got amazing marketing results for small businesses... So when I graduated, I then launched the business as a lifestyle business to start with. And then a couple of, it was about a year and a half later, I then relaunched it as a tech business as, as it is today. So it literally started from a guy who said, I'm struggling to contact busy CEOs. And I was working with so many people and I just thought, "We'll join the dots. There's no tech to start with, but I realized it wasn't scalable without the tech. And now we are a technology business. We have a platform and an app. But the only way we could scale is through the technology. But it's all about people
0: that's amazing i you said join the dots you joined the dots there when he said that i'm really interested before all the tech and the scaling came i'm mm. so interested in those first few months yeah. where you did join those dots So yeah. when you heard him say that mm. you thought about you know the thirty thousand people that you're working with what did you actually do what was your thought process mm. what was your kind of go-to i need to do this this and this yeah. To make that happen. So
1: th- even the moment I said something in the meeting, I hadn't really joined the proper dots between the people yet because it's like a split second, right? So I just thought at the time I just read a book called Rich Dad Poor Dad, which is like one of the self help books of like it's I mean it's one of the most read books in the world. It's all about investing and leverage and and running a business and investing and rather than being an employee. And it was talking about like skimming money off things. So it's basically talking about if you buy something in one way and sell it for another. And then there's like a, a bit in between, right? Which is the whole concept of business. Mm-hmm. But it was saying to create a scalable business, you have to create win-win-win situations and you take a slice of the pie and then someone else has a slice of the pie and that's how you scale a business. And then, so this guy had said this and I just thought about that book and went, well, I can take a slice. Someone who writes it can take a slice and he gets his problem solved for him. And literally in that moment, I then after was like, oh, of course I will use, like every bone in my body wants to help these people. This is another way to help them. And so it just worked out that, I could do it without me doing all of it. However, the first campaign, I tried to write myself. Um, I have the worst handwriting in the world, and I'm very glad I have, because I wouldn't have created such a scalable business had I been really good at it. Yeah. So sometimes I think... I mean,
0: how messy are you
1: talking? I mean, you can read it. If I'm just writing someone's name... But it's not like... I can. Do, no, it's not... I mean, now I see the I scribe tribe... If I see the scribe tribe of mine in comparison, I see why they won't let me write anymore for so clients. I sometimes try and do one every so often, like it doesn't pass quality assurance. <laughs> um, so I think the good thing was, is I I actually almost couldn't do the end product, so I could never get stuck in the doing. I had to be in the growing, if that makes sense. Yeah, that does. So that meant that my cousin wrote the first ever campaign. She's still a writer today, which meant that I then had to build a scalable model from the beginning. Wow if that makes sense so so after that so we did the first one and I literally printed out the stationery gave it to my cousin she wrote it I then took it back and checked it once that went really well he got 33 out of 100 people came and had a coffee a call or a meeting with him most 33 that's 33 percent of people don't even normally open your emails let alone actually get a meeting with you so that's when I was like okay this really works can I replicate it so then I got a group of three or four students to start with to test the model and I used to physically drive to the library drop them their paper they used to handwrite it in the library I used to collect it read over them check it put it in the post box and I did that for about six months like so unscalable the most unscalable business <laughs> ever um and it was only when that kept working That I then decided, okay, we now need a better system. I then hired someone on campus to do the taking of the stuff everywhere. And then eventually I was like, okay, this has to be a tech solution. And now we don't touch any paper. It gets sent to the writers through a printer. They write it, post it out. We don't touch anything anymore. Um, So now it's super scalable. In theory, I could put it in any country. Whereas I had to start it unscalably. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a really good book or a video, I can't remember which it is, about do things that don't scale to start with, always. So that's yeah how I tangibly got it going. and I didn't take any finance to start with for the first two years, basically when it was a project, the customer just funded it. and and in
0: terms of that, you just what reinvested it back into the business. And... Yeah.
1: And I then became a consultant, hilariously, um, an entrepreneur consultant. I don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. I have no, no. idea. <laughs> but what, what I did end up doing is, so I'd probably work on the project three days a week. I then went into some universities and then some big brands. Like I worked with PepsiCo and I worked with an innovation company. And I became the entrepreneur at the table. And they just asked, they were saying, I'm launching a product. And I'd say, well, what about the environment? What about people? What social impact can you have? How can you work with startups? I was just the, kind of the, the probing um, guy. Got and nominated. i got paid that, so i could yes. live um, and then the company just kind of ticked along but after a while i was like this isn't big enough this isn't big enough impact on people or me or the world and it's too small and that's when i kind of transformed it into a more scalable tech platform
0: that's amazing we're going to come on to the, the scaling soon i'm building up to it but um, in terms of really quickly mm. just in that phase do you do you still consult now
1: Um, no I guess I do to I do to companies I don't consult as in I don't have the time anymore to do as much consulting I did even in the first year when Inkpact had become a a proper company I say but a proper tech business I still did a little bit and that just kept me not having to pay myself very much out of the company and it kept it really lean I'm just
0: thinking more um, in terms of I'm interested in how you put a value on your time. Because mm. you're how old at this point? 24? Yeah, 24. Yeah. 24, you're going into massive yeah. companies like PepsiCo. I don't, I don't know
1: how I put a value on my time. <laughs> Sometimes I was like, really? You pay me that much? <laughs> yeah.
0: But that's the thing. That's where I think there is a benefit to yeah. working with big companies like that because
1: they don't batten either. Yeah, no, not at all. I'd go, oh, I can put it up £100 extra yeah. a day. Let's see. And then they'd like, totally go for it. And you're like, oh, I should have put up £200 <laughs> extra a day. So I think I just, every time, just got what I thought was reasonable. But then sometimes I was like, I could have got away with more. Am I being cheeky? Like, there is this constant battle. Yeah. I had it with speaking as well. So for years, I'd speak for absolute free anywhere. Um, and then after a while, I couldn't do that many talks anymore. And someone came up to me and said, You have to start charging for your talks. So it started with a couple of hundred. Then I, like, more and more and more and now I have an agent which is incredible so he he deals with all the money and I just get to do what I love to speak (laughs) in front of people but it was that point where, how much do I charge and the crazy thing is I'm sure those people have this is you love doing it so you almost think I'd do it for free but then you realise and I did it for ages for free and I would still ended up with some credit card debt from the start of the company which I still have some today right like you end up paying it off bit by bit but you don't you need to value your time and I learnt that very it took me a long time to learn that so yeah. I always think, see what you can like, be reasonable and then push it a bit further. Because yeah. you can always get a little bit more if you just hustle a little bit. Add a zero one and see what happens. I'm still battling with it. Like, I have coaching. And my coach, I was doing something recently, and she was like, are you charging for it? And I was like, no. And she's like, why? And I'm like, oh, why am I not? Like, I just didn't even think. Like, I just, it money is never the first reason why I do something. Yeah, Therefore, sometimes I can completely forget about it. But this year, I've actually made a commitment to like I wrote like a declaration for the year for my life and a part of it is like who I want to be and a part of it is my goals and how much money I want to earn and it's for the first time become a central part and I think we should not be scared about saying I want to earn money and I want to yeah. earn a lot of money um, and it's taken me a long time I think this is the first year where I've actually said. I want to earn a really great amount of money because what can I now do with my life and everything if I have that much money? Whereas before it's been like so at the bottom of the list. It's okay to start with, to not put it top, because I think it's good just to to do things Mm -hmm. without that being first, but after a while you have to switch it and be like,
0: money is important too I, I, absolutely like i i launched this and went cold turkey did everything they said they shouldn't do rah, 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 <laughs> and walked away from big salary and mm. then um yeah just took a hit and anything for 10 months and then even now i mean it's just a fraction of what yeah. I used to be on yeah but for me i'm not going mm. to shy away from the fact that in my head this isn't going to be forever as in mm. as she can it is but yeah this current lifestyle oh yeah reason. I want to make money. Yeah,
1: it's not going to help you now, and definitely should, did not, it's not going to help me now. But um, I did listen to my dad's advice, not on everything, but on one thing. <laughs> and he said to me, Don't ever get a salary if you want to start a business. Because I was deciding after uni, do I set up a business or get a job? And I got offered some great jobs and some great companies after running an actress. Like they were paying decent money, great jobs, huge companies. And my dad just gave me this piece of advice, which is you're going to, uh, it's in your bones, you're going to run a business at some point. You take that job, it's gonna be really hard to not take the job. You're not gonna miss the salary if you've never had it. Incapac this year, it's probably the first time I've had a relatively decent salary. And that's only because my investor made me do it. I wouldn't have done it otherwise, which is crazy. I should have done. But it's crazy that my investors are telling me to take a bigger salary, which is just insane. i but i haven't ever had one so i don't know what one's like so any advice to people out there thinking of starting a business or going into a a corporate there is some advantage to going into a corporate first but just think about how hard it is to jump to not having a salary i've never had one so i don't know what it's like so i've learned to live with whatever i've had yeah so i've never had lots and then not had it so there is a benefit to doing it i mean both ways can work but just yeah think about that if you're making that choice
0: really good advice yeah definitely still we're still not at the bit where you um mm. saw investment yet I'm still very much interested in those early days how did you get the kind of big corporates on board you've mm. obviously talked about the scribes um, yeah starting with your cousin but yeah the actual businesses and did you feel comfortable going in and, and pitching
1: yeah so because I did an actus, I was so lucky that the people that was in, were judging an actress in the competition, or the people that mentored me, with the head of KPMG, with the head of Walmart, with the head of Unilever, all these big brands. And so I'd got used to being around them, so I was never scared of pitching to them now. I mean, in an actress I was. But my, again, my dad gave me some advice, which was, uh, again, sorry about the swear word, but they shit the same as you. (laughs) I'm sure that's going to make a meme or something, but they do. Like, they are a human being like you. They go to the toilet like you. They have, you know, they have kids. They have a life. They're a person. Why do we put them on a pedestal and are so scared to pitch them or talk to them? It's just a person. And so when I got over that, and it took a bit of time, and I now just try and see people as just a person. They have a family, maybe, they've got a partner, you know, they've got insecurities like me. Like, we're all just people. And a lot of the stuff I talk about now is about being human, and that's actually really helped me. So at the time, I'd just be like, okay, I'm just gonna be cheeky. But the amount of times that people thought I was the secretary, who's this young girl coming in? what, is this the founder? Are you sure? Stuff happened all the time. And I kind of loved that it happened to a point, like, okay, now I have the opportunity to prove, like, to almost, almost prove that, you know, I understand why you maybe thought that there is a stereotype out there, but I'm just going to come in and just add you so much value that you don't think that anymore. And after a while, people then saw me for the value I was offering, not what I necessarily looked like. So it was, I just, I just got in the door and I literally used the connection. So I'd met someone somewhere and I said, oh, can you please, I was the asker, like I I ask more, you know, how can I add value to you and how can you help me? I'm always about the win, 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 win situations. And I just find a way, okay, if you help me with this, I can help you with this. And I'd always just create wins and I'd just get in at corporates. And one of the times I just offered an inspirational, someone met me and said, you've got so much energy. I've got a room full of like directors that are, you know, that are a bit boring sometimes. (laughs) Or the people we get in are a bit boring or the topic is a bit boring. Can you come in and just add energy to the room? And then we've got our biggest client off the back of me just coming in and inspiring them for an hour um, that
0: says so much i think i think there's should be more emphasis put on being a half decent person mm, yeah for it sure you so far oh my you're gosh just nice <laughs> yeah you're just like yeah you, just you be nice time. add value to
1: people don't be a dick and do the right thing it goes <laughs> really out. far yeah, yeah, yeah. and actually people were just like "Oh, you like we really like you charlotte and I'm actually like, like that's so kind, <laughs> like, thank you yeah. um and then they'd be, and then they'd be like of course, I'm going to recommend you to someone, and they'd do it without me asking, so to start with, that, I had to ask a lot and do a lot of hustle, and I still have to do that a lot now, but it's amazing when you build up such a great relationship with people and then you give them lots of value and then eventually you need to ask them for something, they will help you yeah. so for me it's all about just be a nice human being and add some value to their company even if it's just it might not work so that's basically how I got into the first corporates but it wasn't built for corporates it was actually built for small businesses the platform and then once we got a couple of big businesses we actually realized now we have to build an app and a salesforce app and an integration because they can't use a different like platform on the web they need an integration so we ended up building that so now we have two arms of the business one's kind of Really focused on self serve and the platform, and one's focused on big enterprise. So, yeah, I think if you're looking to approach enterprises, my advice would be just be different. And one of the reasons why Inkpact as a concept works is because when everyone else is sending email, you send a letter or a gift, you're different. So, be a flamingo in the flock of pigeons or whatever the (laughs) quote is. And just, just hustle, try and get intros in, just add lots of value. And it's surprising how many corporates we've been able to get into.
0: when you did realise that you had to scale it. Mm. Um, how
1: old were you at this point? I'm trying to work back numbers-wise. I So, hang on, so I graduated. I reckon I was, yeah, 25, 26 when we started. 25, I think we got, hang on, where am I now? I'm 27, three years ago. No, 20, 24. 24 is when I got the first round of investment. Okay. Um, did that phase you? It's almost like I had to scale it and I had no other choice. So I don't even think I really thought about it consciously, if that makes any mm-hmm. sense. I was on a programme. It just had to be done. It just had to be done, yeah. I had no money personally, nothing, in fact, in debt, as a student, as you are. Had no money, had to move to London because that's where the networks were. And I tried starting a business in Southampton. I actually really struggled to find the right networks. And as a first-time founder, I'd never started a business before. I needed a support network, which I'm sure I'll come on to again later. (laughs) But... I got on a program called the New Entrepreneurs Foundation, which is like an accelerator for yourself. You don't have to have a business idea. You just have to be entrepreneurial. And it, showed, it basically teaches you how to start and scale a business as well as introducing you to investors. So I managed to sat down, sit down with like the founder of Skyscanner and walk him through the business idea and get some advice from him. And I ended up meeting my, my investor. So one of my first ever investors I knew from an act, he was one of my mentors at Southampton Uni. And he just said to me, I'll invest in you no matter what you start. So again, I just for him, I felt like he was almost like my business dad. I still call him my business dad. He is like like I'm so close to him. He knows me as a person. He knew me before I started Ink Pact. So when I was starting Ink Pact in a more scalable way, he was the first person I approached mm-hmm. and then, he just said, yeah, of course. And I, th- I said to start with, I needed £40,000 to build a platform. And he said, I'll give you thirty, so my wife doesn't think I'm crazy. At least go find one other person. <laughs> um, and so I needed £10,000 more. So I was then, one day, I as at a panel, as we all go to, and I saw an investor on the panel and I thought, he's this northern guy. I was like, he, I really like how just honest and frank and just, you know, he is. You know, there's no BS with him. And then about a week later, I saw him... Um, at a club, a members club that I was at. It was cheaper to be a member at this club than it was to get a desk space anywhere in London. Great hack, by the way. And I saw him, and I wrote him... He was in a meeting, so I wrote him a note in my bad handwriting, (laughs) hilariously, saying, hi, I I think you're really interested in my business. I'd love to chat to you. And I gave it to the waitress to give to him. And at the end, I wrote, P.S., your next vino is on me. And so I then gave it to the waitress, and said, please, can you give this to Doug when he leaves? And uh, he then... (laughs) I then went, had to go, and so I was like, oh my God, that was the cheekiest thing I've ever done. Like, oh! And then he sent me an email with a smiley face, um, and then he said, the world works in amazing ways. I'm at a pitch day that I think you're pitching at next week for the No Entrepreneurs Foundation, how small is the world? And I had no idea, like, I didn't, didn't even know. So I pitched on the day, and I'd finished the pitch, and he walked up to me and said, you can have your ten thousand, but I actually think you should raise a hundred thousand, and I will help you to do it. So yeah, and then we ended up raising a wow. hundred thousand through lots of different angel investors, um, and that gave us the money to start the platform. So that was yeah. And how did you
0: find the experience?
1: Um, so my second funding round was way harder. You know
0: when you say like, and then we went for grand and, Yeah, and it's it's all those kind of things where you read it in a magazine and it's kind yeah. of like, yeah okay, but like. What
1: did it actually involve emotionally and yeah. everything? Well it was I mean funding rounds are my biggest pain point in life. Like it is it is the most stressful, painful, in my opinion, horrible and sometimes experiences in any other part of the business. And um, also I'm not like naturally a financial person. Um, I have to work really hard at, at the intricate numbers and now I have a lot of people that help with that. I'm the big idea, vision, get things going, talk on stage. So I had to work really hard and get some good advisors. But the first funding round, I really let that investor lead, which was a good thing. Mm -hmm. It was still stressful, like, oh, times, is it still going to happen? Is it not going to happen. But he then got an angel syndicate involved, which meant that more angels were able to come on easier by following him. So that was a really great way of having a lead investor. Took a lot of the hard work off me because I didn't know how to get more investors involved at that point. Whereas our second funding round, I went and personally got every single investor. And honestly, it nearly killed me. Mm -hmm. And it was one of the, I mean, yeah, the first time we raised investment was, it looks easy in comparison, but at the time it wasn't easy. But compared to the second time, which was really hard. (laughs) Um, I'm trying to remember like back to the point before we raised the second round of investment. I guess it was hard because it's so new to me, but I really just had to trust people around me to advise me because I knew nothing about raising investment, but these people did. So I think getting your first investor on board is really important because if I hadn't had Chris's first 30 grand, I would have really struggled to get the next 10 and he invested and in me, snowballs. not the company. Just that beginning bit. Yeah. yeah. So I think, I guess a piece of advice that I would give is uh, a lot of people, and I did the same, we spend so much time on the business plan thinking that's what investors really want. But if it's your first round of funding, they're not investing in your business or your plan because you've got nothing concrete really to go on. They're investing in you. And so building really meaningful relationships is more important than the business plan. So when people have said, I've asked all of them, why did you invest in Inkpad?" They all said me. Not a single person actually said the business. They're like, yeah, we think it's a great business and we love what it's doing, but we're backing you to do something with it.
0: I've read now, obviously, that you've got a Mm co-founder. And that wasn't the case at the beginning. Yes. So can you talk to me about firstly why you made that decision yeah and secondly what that transformation kind mm. of period involved yeah. because I personally like the fact that I don't have to answer to mm. I, don't, I don't have to share that yeah argument, of course. The pros and cons so I think it's really interesting that you mm. were on your own with it at the beginning yeah.
1: and then made that transition yeah so a big part of it was when i brought the company over to london and we got some funding is actually before we got funding i brought andrew on board so andrew's my co-founder i realized that if i wanted to keep going with a lifestyle company i could do it on my own like i had the confidence i could do it on my own i could be fine if i wanted to build a scalable tech company i needed to have someone who could understand scalable tech. And could not just be an employee. could actually have a share in the company. And so I actually was... Andrew was on the same entrepreneur course that I was on. And he was actually working at a growing startup as head of product. And I actually just asked him his advice. Like, I'm going to build this platform. What do you think? And then over like a bottle of wine, we ended up going, should we just do this?
0: (laughs) Did you get him to sign an NDA when you shared the idea? No.
1: I never get anyone to sign any NDA pretty much ever. And some lawyers might think I'm crazy, but... I've never got anyone to sign an NDA. And I've told loads of stuff. stuff. It's out there. But even at the start, even at the start, in fact, even before, yeah, I've, I've, one piece of advice someone's gave me, can't remember who they were, they just said, by putting an NDA, you're almost putting a barrier up to someone. You want to shout your business to as many people as possible to get as much feedback as possible. The chance that someone's going to nick your business is so small because you started it because 10, 20 different things have come together and that's why you're the person starting it. And if someone steals it, someone steals it. The chances are so small. And if they do, then they do. And you just make your business. is going to be different because you're running it than anyone else. Mm-hmm. So the competitors have popped up. In fact, I had a competitor email me recently saying, hi, can I pick your brains on something? And I was and like, no. I actually <laughs> went to meet him though. I was like, you know what? You had the audacity to email me. I'm going to meet you. I'm going to keep very quiet. No, I gave him some advice actually. I gave him some advice. Obviously, I was didn't give him the intricate business secrets. Yeah. Um, but I'm so transparent. And so I think personally I much prefer living like that in general. So yeah. if you look at my Instagram, I'm so transparent about the whole life, like life in general. If you look at anything I've ever written, people are like, oh, she shares a lot. I just think that's I think that's a better way to live personally. Um, Maybe if you've got some super crazy AI tech thing that's like absolute cutting edge and you're about to patent it, maybe get an NDA. (laughs) Most other things are fine. But I was happy to tell Andrew and the company wouldn't be where it is. I mean, we have a platform, an API, like the writers have an app, like all of this stuff. We have OCR technology, crazy stuff that wouldn't happen without Andrew. So um, it was a really great thing. Have I battled at times? Yes, because I've suddenly gone from owning all of the company to owning less of the company myself and sometimes you just have to remember why you did that in the first place. Yeah. Um, and we've gone on a massive journey. I mean, it is like a relationship. Andrew is like my business partner and best friend in fact. Because we've even spent time we've to lived together like the whole works, oh right?
0: My gosh, we together. Yeah.
1: Together. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So crazy times. But um, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't have done it any other way. But we've had to be we've learned the hard way we have to be clear where my role starts where his role ends there has to be accountability and we haven't always got it right and we've you know uh, had times where we haven't been as close business-wise or like friendship-wise and times where we've been a lot closer. And recently we've been really close uh, on the same page business-wise and really close personally. And it's it's nice to have that, but it hasn't always been the case. There's been times where we haven't been on the same page business-wise and then we therefore we haven't normally been able to spend time together personally. As the business goes, it changes. And everyone's role changes like daily pretty much when you're really small. I wish it have gone, Andrew, I'm not happy with you doing this or I'm not happy with this happening in the business or I don't agree with this. To start with in the business, I was not having the hard conversations and now I'm having the hard conversations. I read a book called Radical Candor. Best book ever. Literally, if you run a company and you have staff, read it. Um, and it's all about when you care personally, you can challenge directly. Now, I had the care personally. I care and I love the staff so much. And sometimes it's on like friendships. and But it doesn't always mean that's great for business because I haven't then challenged directly. And I thought you couldn't have both. I thought you couldn't have friendships and great working environment and great culture if you challenged directly. I was so wrong. In fact, the exact opposite. When you don't challenge, you end up having someone who ends up leaving the business That's because the you problem. haven't challenged them yeah. or they end up, and you haven't ask them to leave or they get fired because you haven't challenged them in the first place. So the whole learning curve is you have to just get a bit of a backbone, which I didn't have. I'd just bend over for anything because I wanted to be liked, I guess, and um, I didn't want anyone to leave the company. And so... That's what I'd go back and do. I'd, I'd say I'd be more honest earlier on. And that's why me and Andrew have a great relationship now because if I'm not happy, I'll say. If I think something's been doing wrong, I'll say. If I think he's doing something wrong, I'll say. If I think it's not good enough, I'll say it. So that's probably, yeah, something I would go back and do earlier. It would have stopped a lot of the floating, not really saying what I really thought yeah. kind of stuff.
0: Let's move on to the challenges which you've kind of we've mentioned a few already <laughs> but um what's been the hardest day on the job so far mm. i have
1: two can i go two there's <laughs> <As laughs> many <laughs> um first most challenging day it was on our second round of funding we'd gone through the whole process with some investors who um who were going to invest the whole round in the company what's and how much? Uh, it was about seven hundred and fifty thousand and they were going to do the whole round we'd done term sheet had been signed we'd done due diligence everything was fine and then things just changed and they kept changing term sheets and my gut feeling was not good at this point but we'd been spending money like we had the funding because they promised it was coming in all this kind of things and uh we had about three weeks left of money in the bank account um and we spent a lot of money on some salesforce tech development this money was supposed to come in didn't 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 and then they changed the term sheet again. And I, at a breakfast meeting, just was like, I can't... I mean, I can't do this. If someone's willing to keep doing this and changing the term sheet, knowing we're running out of money... You only really get an email and you, you, your heart goes, funny. I'd been like that for four months. Like, it it's had been just instinct, anxiety. Just yeah, and everything yeah. was everything was all off. And I just thought, but if I walk away from this, I can't pay people at the end of the month. But I walked away, because and the best thing I ever did, but it was the hardest thing I've ever had to do is walk away from that money because it meant that I couldn't pay the team I couldn't do you know I literally had no way of paying them at the end of the month I was like what are we going to do like the company's going to go under and for about 10 seconds I think I thought the company's going to go under and then I realized no I'm in control here I genuinely believe that we're the creators of everything yes it it was a circumstance I couldn't do much about that particular investor I'm really glad I walked away best thing I ever did I can get money here. So I was, on, I was in tears. I called one of my current investors, who's amazing. And she was like, come to my office now. One of our investors came out from Wales from the first funding round. And we sat in a room and we came up with a plan. I went and got one of our biggest clients. I then put another funding round out and I called it JFDI funding round, which is just fucking do it, a <laughs> funding round. And I basically only approached people that were really great, amazing investors. And we have now, off the back of that, and um, we managed to keep the company afloat with the client and um, some of our existing investors put a little bit of a bridge in and then i went out and raised the whole amount of money for more for a higher valuation from amazing investors like the founder of octopus is in there the guy from that was a cmo at dyson um is in there like epic investors a great fund in the netherlands to invest in female founders and they all invested and the company is what it is today because of them so we didn't go under and in fact It really showed us in the company who the team were. I was super transparent. The day that happened, I told the team, I can't pay you at the end of the month. Would you like to help me get through this or would you like to leave? Either way, you're absolutely fine. No one left. Everyone stuck with us and helped us. And we managed to not only stay afloat, but we managed to just create the company that we have today. And without that focus, we may have gone on spending money in the wrong areas if I hadn't had that. So yeah, all around, it was the best thing ever. But that day was one of the worst days because... It wasn't just a decision for me, it was for the whole company, the previous investors, all my staff, the writers, everything. Yeah, and it was horrible. And then I'd realised by the end of that time, so there was the four months where it all kind of was like super anxiety, we're going to get the funding, or we're not. Then probably another six months of actually getting the company back to a point, to the next funding round, etc. So basically, I reckon about 10 months to a year where I ran on adrenaline only, and I'm not like... I only ran an adrenaline my hair was falling out like I had like these huge like things on my skin and I didn't acknowledge any of it at all and I hadn't realized how much pressure I'd put on my body because all I was doing was keeping the company going I hadn't, I hadn't laughed for ages I hadn't had fun and I'm such like a laughing fun person like hadn't seen any live music hadn't done anything so for about a year a year and a half of my life and that's when the Forbes article came out which is why I was like what how is this? Um, but the company was growing and we're scaling and we're getting more clients but I, I promise I will never get back in that situation again. I wasn't present to how I was feeling, I wasn't present to anything and I was like fighting but I wasn't realising I was so at least now we all go through moments that's like, hard or a struggle at least I'm present to that and I make sure I don't stay there very long and I make sure my body's giving me signs I listen to it yeah, yeah. so I learned so much from that so it wasn't one day although the one day felt like it was it's actually about ten months to a year mm-hmm. where now I look back I wasn't I can't remember half. I can't remember most of the I can't remember what I did mm-hmm. Because I wasn't present at all. I had no idea what was happening. Yeah. Um, and I, I can't get that year back. And I promised I never, ever will get in that situation ever again. And then actually that links to the second time was the most challenging, which was I started to realise this. And so I did a lot of work on emotional intelligence and looking at myself. And I've always had coaching, but I like really upped the coaching game. Did like psychotherapy, did everything. Literally acupuncture, psychotherapy. I became super spiritual, loads of stuff. But that was all started because my now ex-boyfriend, but a very close friend, um, one day he worked in the city and he just passed out and no one could ever figure out what was wrong with him. He couldn't walk very far, he couldn't see things, like the whole thing was crazy, no doctor could figure out what was wrong. And there a friend of mine who ran a company, introduced me to someone who took me to a herbalist mm-hmm. um, and when we'd taken him to a herbalist, I then went for a session with her too and she was like, how are you standing right now? I have no idea. She like did some tests and said I have no idea and that's when she told me I'd only been running on adrenaline and I hadn't even realised it. So from that moment in time, I was like, oh, was that why I was going to the gym four times a week and not losing any weight? She was like, of course it was. Mm. Is that why my hair was falling out uh, yet? Yeah. Did you not realise? Like, I hadn't realised until she'd said. And it was only through my partner getting ill, um, and thankfully he's a lot better today, but it was only through him getting ill I realised how ill I was getting. And she actually said to me, I doubt you'd either live till you're 30 or at least you'd be super ill by the time you're 30 if you hadn't figured this out and so I'm so grateful to a point for him getting ill and we both went on this crazy journey for the next uh it was two a year and a half a year and a half ago maybe a bit more and um, I'm so glad for that journey but I remember that day where he got ill where I I've realized that your business isn't everything and I'm not my company. So a lot of the talks I do now is encouraging business owners to remember to have fun, to look after yourself and try and you're not your company. It's not the same thing. It took me so long to work this out. My company is an extension of me. I created it, but I am not the company because if all of my identity lies in the company, I lose my identity. And so it's really important for me to ha- Like, I became super spiritual, I mm. became doing a lot of mindfulness, meditation, um, I have a coach, a life coach who's also a shaman, like, really cool stuff. Um, I love crystals. I, 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 I can yeah. up homeopathically, so I
0: never yeah. go to the GP for anything. Yeah. Like, and I'm, I never such, do now. <laughs> you know your brain and your body, are so... Oh my gosh, yeah.
1: So Mind, body, soul is just so interconnected. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, the lady I saw was a homeopath, mm. and I still go to her today. Mm. I do a 10-day juice cleanse with her every year, I see her every couple of months, She has been game-changing in my life. She introduced me to my coach and my shaman. Like, she's... They're just... Yeah. Without that, I think that just keeps me now always focusing on me and using mind, body, soul as a thing. I only knew mind before. I've read every personal development book you can ever imagine since I was 14, right? (laughs) I've been like the reader. The reader and the podcast listener, always learning. I've been on more courses... People are like, another course, Charlotte? Really? I'm going on this weekend. <laughs> I always go, like... It's so good, though. Always. But it was too much absorbing mm-hmm. in of mind. So it's it's all around, actually, what else? I love learning. What else can I learn about? Why does it always have to be about goals and achievement of mind? Why can't I learn anything else? I even did workshops on goal setting and vision setting, right? And I still do them. But for me, I, I just had a goal and I had to achieve. And it was like, go, go, go. And I have to do it so quickly. And, and I hadn't thought about stuff like... So I read a book called The Universe Has Your Back and um, by Gabriella Bernstein. It's amazing. And I always thought this but like, there's something else going on here. Like, things just happen when they just happen and for the exact moment that they were supposed to happen. and And people come into your life and there's massive coincidences. And I was like, it must be something else. So now I believe that we're all here for a reason. And I've kind of got a mission and a purpose for my whole life, not just a company. And... On that way, I'm going to learn lots of different things, go lots of different ways and have lots of different goals. But I always have to just keep checking in. Am I on my mission? Am I sticking to my values rather than just the goals and achievement? So I want to be the best human being I can be so that I can help others to be the best human beings they can be. And I want to help companies do the right thing by people and the planet. Like That's why I'm here. And so to do that, I have to be the best human I can be. If I'm telling other people to be the best human they can, it'd be hypocritical if I wasn't. So I'm, I've pitched like this, I've worked out a little... Um, what's the word, framework for what it means to be human and that's what I talk a lot about in my talks and it applies to businesses and non-businesses because humans are across everything. <laughs> um, so it's everything from wellness and mindfulness is one of the topics and including that is like imagination and the stories you tell yourself but it's also about connection and relationships with other people. One of them is contribution. And one of them is like sex and sexuality is a big part of being human. That's of course you're on this weekend. Yes, exactly. Like, yeah.
0: Number one stalker
1: here. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm doing a course with a company called Electric Women around um, sovereignty and seduction. It's actually an investor recommends I went on it. So really out of my comfort zone. But it's a topic I think people don't talk about. So people don't talk about sex enough and people don't talk about death enough. And a big part of being human includes those things. And so it's just again um, not directly related to impact, but being human is very related to impact. I just think that let's share and talk about these topics is really so important. What, you're
0: going on a course to, or you just all talk about
1: your sex lives? Um, you? like, what's the no, most kind of, um, the blurb. What's the, yeah, the blurb. I'd have, have to actually get it like, up. What, it's it all about. It's about women empowering themselves. Okay. So right. so the the principle <laughs> is um, we didn't think we'd get here, but we have. Uh, the principle is like let's just go with b- bad sex is never about the other person it's always about you it's about how can we be the most self-expressed you know confident in our own and asking for what we want and i mean I haven't done the course yet so ask me again after i might be able to tell you it's completely different yeah. but i believe it's all around women's empowerment and empowering us to you know to not be afraid of you know sexual experiences i so wish this podcast
0: was next week so we could like find out what (laughs) this podcast is sponsored by zero accounting software who proudly support female entrepreneurs and help business owners to see their finances clearly for help in getting your business digital ready visit xero.com You mentioned some relationships there. Mm. How have your relationships with other people Mm. um, evolved as this business has become more successful, taken up more of your time, Mm. etc. etc.? And have you seen any evolve for the better or worse? Uh,
1: Both. Um, I think there was definitely when I first started the company, um, I struggled to find time for my friends and my family a little bit, and that. And that was just me being so focused and so tunnel vision and starting it and that probably lasted until i had this bit of a breakdown i guess of my body and, and adrenaline and i was like, actually hang on i'm not my company what about my friends and my family and i've not been ignoring them but i haven't put as much effort into them as i as i could have done and an investor sat me down last year and said charlotte what do you do for fun and i genuinely couldn't answer him i couldn't and i still struggle if you you might ask me this question I'd be like, oh, I love speaking on stage. I love helping. And then, like, no, hang on. What's your fun fun? And I'm like, oh, yeah. And so I'm still battling daily with this because I find what I do so fun. And I love speaking on stage. And I love little side projects that I have all related to being human, which links into work anyway. So everyone's like, oh, it all links. And I'm like, yeah, I know it does, but...
0: To be honest, I'm the exact same at the moment. I literally, my fun at the moment, is like a country walk. with Yeah, the
1: yeah. So nature has been like really... family
0: and like friends, but it's always like... I can't remember the last time I went out and properly like let my hair down yeah. I've done a lot more just,
1: of that recently <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it took me a while that. Yeah,
0: I know that that side of like that kind of fun right yeah. now it's all I don't have the energy for that yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm using that as an excuse I'd much rather go for a nice gentle walk or mm. have a night in with the girls yeah glass of, as long as there's yeah. a glass of wine yeah but no
1: I I realised how much I then miss like I miss mm. music concerts I miss going out yeah, like I miss going actually, out and just getting drunk occasionally yeah, like Last summer, after I had this realisation, I ended up spending some time in... I ended up spending lots of time in yurts and tents and with nature a lot, but out and, like, doing something different and going to different countries. And so this year I've got loads of really cool stuff planned in to just be a bit wilder and freer because I've been so restricted. Um, Do you
0: think, though, that... Because this is where I always think some dots need hmm. lining up because I personally look at women like you um who i you know you are successful and i think you're saying that now because you've done mm. a few years where you have i see yeah and i don't think you can, I, I mean some interesting I really open yeah. to someone that can, has managed
1: to do both from the beginning away. yeah so i'd love i can't go back in time and tell you if i could have done it in the year round but what i can say now so the business still isn't very big it's not huge huge i mean i have eight members of staff um but do you know your rough annual so so this year we're aiming for 1.5 million yeah which is amazing (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah but last year we didn't have that but we're growing we're growing very quickly we're growing a lot it's great but what i would say is even last year when our revenues weren't that high i'd say when i took myself out of the business and i did something like that like i went on a spiritual retreat or i went away for a weekend i just went crazy i came back the business was better
0: Oh, huge Because
1: then I know... So before I was like, oh, the business can't exist without me. That was so, like, egotistical. Of course it can't exist without me if you hire the right people. So it can't exist without me for very long, and it still can't. But it's... Yeah, I think I would have been able in that year and a half where I literally just was like, I could have taken more time, for sure. I could have taken more time with my family. I could have taken more time with friends. I could have taken more time to have fun. It was not an excuse. How much I could have done would vary, but I could have done it. Definitely. And so I think it's really important to just try to remember not so tunnel vision. You have to be determined and ambitious, but not so tunnel vision Mm -hmm. because I can't get that time back with my family or my friends or, you know, my relationship. I can't get that back. So I think maybe I couldn't have gone completely wild child, and I still can't now, (laughs) sadly. Um, It has to be about work and commitment. And I work a lot of hours now, but I do it in a very different way. Like I know when I need to take a break and I know... When I have to spend some time for myself and I book in retreats and I go and see an acupuncturist and a spiritualist and a herbalist to like keep my energy super high. But yeah, I think if you're in it, just get people around you to check you out of it occasionally. Yeah, yeah. Because we can get so consumed by it.
0: Any other relationship? Um. So I'm not
1: now with my ex-boyfriend, but very good friends. I don't think that's because of the business. He was a massive help in me starting the business. He was there at the very beginning. He, in fact, was almost like the original co-founder of the business. He was... Uh, incredible then went to work in the city was just my rock all the time and still is my one of my best friends um and my rock now we weren't meant to be together we were (laughs) clearly meant to be together for a little while to get us to where we are now I genuinely believe that um and I'm sure he'll be my one of my best friends for my whole life um I'm sure there are parts of the relationship that we could have done better had I not been so focused on work but I think that was meant to be. So there wasn't so much that, I mean, I haven't had the closest relationship with my mom until recently. And I'm really glad that I now have a really close relationship with my mom. I always have with my dad, but my mom hasn't been so much. My dad's very business focused, my mom isn't. And so when I was just on the business, I found it hard to relate to my mom. Now I've opened myself up to more than just business. I'm now really close to my mom and we've done some emotional intelligence work together and we've done some stuff together and that's really cool. And That was a relationship that was good, it was fine. But I wasn't really close, so yeah. There's a lot of people that are never going to get it, ever. Mm. So I have a friend of mine that I was with when I was three years old. She was my friend when we were dancing when we were younger. She's my friend now. We're so different as people. She's an amazing nurse. She's a nurse. She's so patient, so caring, and she's really happy with that life. She just had a kid. She's married. We could not be further apart in terms of what we're doing in life right now. But, and I went through a time where I didn't speak to her that much, but we always knew we were super close, and she's never going to understand about running a business. Just like, I'm never going to understand what it's like to be a nurse. But she doesn't need to. And for ages, I went through that period, like, oh, you know, maybe she doesn't get it, maybe we're just too different. And with some of my friends even here, they're in their corporate jobs, maybe they do not get it, maybe we're so different. But guess that the problem was me, not them.
0: Yeah.
1: I had this expectation that everyone should, should like, be clapping for me. No one should be clapping for me. Like, like... I can clap for myself, Yay. you don't need them to, they just need to be your friend. The best kind of thing I've ever heard about this, and it is personal relationships, business relationships, your friends, everything, is when you trade your expectations for appreciation, like the whole world changes, so rather than expecting them to be something for you, whether this is your boyfriend taking the bin out, for example, or whether that is your friend and your business, whatever it is, is expect- the only time we feel upset is when our ex- their actions don't meet our expectation. That's it. But if you swap your expectations for appreciation of what they do do or what you do have with them or something else, then you don't have the expectation. You're not annoyed. So yeah. it's like, actually, stop setting such expectations for them. We're all human. We'll do it. But stop the high expectations. just appreciate. Just appreciate the, just appreciate the friend. Yeah. And amazingly, guess what? They become more supportive. Yeah. It's amazing because it's all on us. So I've done so much emotional intelligence work now um like it's my I love it I absolutely love it because the more aware of myself and stuff like that I can catch myself up on like oh your expectation was too high Charlotte come on okay like I just appreciate them and the amazing thing is they then change which is crazy because I didn't say or do anything in fact I did the opposite I've done a lot of emotional intelligence work a lot of kind of like psychology work to understand how humans work obviously for the business and for my general and it's improved my quality of relationships so much um, and has realised that it's all about me. Mm-hmm. Like, as in, I can change that relationship. I don't need the other person to change. Um, and eventually, sometimes you just drift away from people, or things don't. You know, you're not as close as you were before. That's okay. It's you don't have to be super close to everyone all the time. So I've been a lot more chilled with the relationships rather than forcing them. Because then I went from like not spending much time to like, force relationships. Come on, let's do, this, let's do this and that doesn't really work either. So you kind of have to go somewhere in Indeed, the middle. Yeah. yeah.
0: Ever noticed
1: any jealousy crop up? Um, yeah, probably. I'm trying to think of an example. I remember someone at university whose fa- her family runs a really successful company, and she said to me, "Oh, you'll never make money from handwritten letters." So like. Blah. And then I was in Forbes, and I got a message from her being like, "So proud of you! Always knew you'd make it. No, you didn't. Like, yeah, <laughs> so there are always yeah. people. There's always people that would just doubt you, yeah, and yeah. that's fine. That's why you just have to. Hold it's your great, work. yeah. It's like, like, believe in yourself. <laughs> You've got your mission. It's okay. Yeah. Um, I don't resent it for that. I'm quite glad she said that in the first place. Now, so, so it gives you a kick up the butt. And way. I'm sure people, but I'm sure what I'm really trying to do with anything I ever put on Instagram or anything I ever do or anything like this. I'm so open and so honest because I don't want people to see a certain way and then assume it's all already easy or assume it's an overnight success or assume this or assume that. People are going to make their assumptions. People are going to be jealous. I can't. That that's that lies with them. That isn't with me. But what I can do as a responsible founder, a responsible woman, is to try and show what it really is like and not hold anything back. And so that's what I'm trying to do on all the different social channels. And I recently uh, started a video series, which I'd love to tell you about. <laughs> um, so it's because of this. So I love that you're doing this podcast because it's really asking me questions that are quite vulnerable and quite open. And I think... Entrepreneurs are seen as such like armor wearing, like we've got everything together and we're like superheroes and we're not at all. <laughs> like nice. we pick up dog poo like everyone else. <laughs> like we we have all these things that we're just normal human beings trying to juggle life and relationships and yeah. how we look and all these other things. And I've been so fortunate that a lot of my investors, I've been able to see them as people and get to know them and their family. And No one else has seen that and they're so successful. I mean, their companies are like household well-known names. They're like multi multi-millionaires and they're just a person. So I then thought, okay, I'm going to start a video series which asks no business questions and only asks questions about them as a human being. Yeah, yeah. I've been very kind of like quiet about it, but I've been filming for the last couple of weeks. Um, well, I've been getting ready to film. I did two intense days of filming. Then the 30th of April, we're launching at the Conduit Club. You will, of course, get an invitation. Okay. Um, there's about 100 founders that we're inviting. Um, and then it launches on YouTube, and then it is also a podcast as well. But it's a video series and a podcast all around... Values, mission, happiness, what it takes, the values it takes to be an entrepreneur, you as a person, not your business. Yeah, yeah. um, so I think you have to have both. You have to have the business podcast. Like, you've asked me questions, how did I start? That's mm-hmm. really important because otherwise, how do you actually get going? But, but also, more, you also need joking. to know yeah, yeah. what values do people have? Yeah. What do they teach their kids? What happens in their life? You know? Um, and so I've been able to do that series. And so we interview people like, Paul Lindley, the founder of Ella's Kitchen, um, Susie Ma from Tropic Skincare, uh, the activist Gina Miller, um, who's in the news a lot about Brexit at the moment. So it's great to see her as a person, not just in politics. And we've really, and and many more, and we've been able to get under the skin of them as an entrepreneur, of them as um, their business owner and actually as a person. So I'm really excited because knowing what the content is, we talk about such amazing topics um and it's yeah we have obviously their business comes up but it's not about their
0: business yeah, yeah. it's about them there's nothing I love more than like walking away from a conversation with someone that inspires you mm. and it just stays with you doesn't it yeah like, I feel so lucky that I get to chat like this is part of my job because I walk yeah. away from all of these on <laughs> yeah mind. oh my it's gosh yeah, cheesy, yeah. I have not had one interview where yeah I haven't taken something from I know them. interviewing
1: these people I mean they're all multi multi-millionaire companies mm-hmm. like huge names and every single one of them just one inspired me to keep going and to keep looking at myself and keep having fun and and keep my values but also like hey they can do it I can do it yeah and it just made it more relatable to be where they are
0: absolutely and I think you've literally just summarized everything I I always think there's no barrier if someone has done it yeah you can do it it. and I've all that's ever since I was a teenager yeah you just set a goal
1: yeah. just go
0: for it. And even that was a little yeah. side
1: yeah. project that I was like, oh, I wonder if anyone would ever do it. And then I got Octopus's back to it, which is amazing. Nice. <laughs> um, and, you know, and the people, I was like, is anyone actually going to come on as a guest? And we get like Gina Miller, who's currently got people like escorting her around because she's in national, global press all the time. Yet she has time to come and talk to me. Like, insane. Yeah. Um, so I'm but really it excited back for the it. the
0: power of just, again, being being nice, but also having the confidence to just ask because yeah, I think that's uh, yeah. what holds so many people back yeah I agree so they don't want to make those initial steps and once you do that it snowballs again yeah
1: I completely agree even from like we had some help with like the set design people gave us stuff and said oh yeah oh my god love the concept I think it's gonna be great love the guests Um, we can lend you a sofa or we can lend you this and that and you're like oh thank you like that's so nice and like the goodie bags that we have for the event people have been like yeah of course I'll put these and like oh my like try and make everything a win-win-win is the best thing ever because I benefit the people benefit that brand benefits is great so win-win-win situations I think are the key to everything
0: okay so the stats yeah a hundred thousand plus stamps licked <laughs> five thousand plus trips to the post box. Oh, yeah. Twelve team retreats. They sound It's probably wild. more than that now, yeah. Is it?
1: Yeah.
0: Or one it would definitely be more than this. One thousand three hundred and twenty cups of coffee. I feel yeah. like that would be definitely more, alone. Yeah. But yeah. Let's triple that. Team coffee um, and ten awards won. Has that gone yeah. up? Um
1: I don't know. I've we've done we've done less of the awards recently. Just because, like, we're proper head down grinding, yeah. But maybe, yeah.
0: out um, (laughs) at Forbes, all of the kind of... um, It's crazy, you're reading it out loud. (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. But out of all of that, what's the proudest moment?
1: So every time we do a team retreat, I have, uh, like, a
0: a cry moment.
1: So every quarter, we go to an Airbnb somewhere in the UK. We take all the team... Um, and we just do different sessions sometimes like we've done one on photography that Beth ran because she's a photographer um, as her like side hustle we did a yoga session because Hannah's a yoga teacher as a side hustle Um, we'll just do stuff like uh, B does bullet journaling if you've ever seen that and so she taught us that um, we just go and we talk about the strategy of the business, what we care about, are we aligned with our values? Sometimes we do more hardcore numbers, but not always. We sometimes we just go have fun, drink, drink green juices. Sometimes we go fun, drink tequila, really <laughs> depends what's going on. Um, and we just spend time with each other, we get to know each other even more. We end up in a hot tub most times, somehow, or a pool <laughs> or something happens. Um, and we just have fun with each other. And they're coming up with concepts and ideas for the business they talking so passionate about the area of business. Every time I see them grow and develop, I kind of just, I get teary every team retreat that these people are here running the company much better than I could and each of the different areas for something I started. And then talk about the Scribe Tribes. Every time we do a team retreat, I have a proud moment where I'm yeah, just like, oh my gosh, we've, we've created something amazing. Look how much these people love the company. One other proud moment I had was a lady kept coming into the office to collect stationery. Now we send the stationery to people's houses, so I couldn't work out why she kept coming in. And it turned out that her daughter had been recovering from thyroid cancer for the last five years and one of our writers, but I hadn't obviously we didn't ask them, we didn't ask you, you know, what's going on in your life. And she just said I have to come and meet the people that have given my daughter a reason to get up every morning. So first of all I started crying because I was like, we've created a company that gives someone a reason to get up and do something every day. Like this is incredible. Then I met her. She came in, she did one of our John Lewis campaigns and she worked for five days in a row and we said, are you sure you want to do this? And she came in and packaged everything up and by the end of it, she was crying. We brought her flowers and she said, I haven't worked for five days in a row in five years. She's the same age as me, she's 27. And she said, I've just done this, now I know I can do anything. And just the fact that our business had created an opportunity for her to to slowly get better and still earn money and still have a reason to get out of bed. And then she went on to work at Macmillan Cancer Research. Off the back of that was just like... If I walked away now, I'd be like happy. So creating a business that, yes, gets brands, more money and customers, and I've heard some great stories there too, but that was one of my proudest moments. We created a company that did that for someone.
0: Okay, Charlotte, let's round up. I've done this for all of the podcasts mm-hmm. so far. So I will start a sentence. Yeah, this is what we, we did on that. Well. Yeah. So are you ready? Yeah. Okay, number one. Being my own boss means?
1: Means I can create a, a life for myself and empower others to create lives for themselves. Like we're the creator of everything.
0: When it's not quite going to plan, my advice would be to...
1: Say things out loud to someone. So a coach, a friend... Just stop and speak and actually get to what you really, your gut really thinks rather than just what your brain thinks. Yeah, that's so true. Sometimes just saying it out loud, you're like, oh, I actually already know my answer. Or yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. I actually know what I think.
0: And you can put it into perspective sometimes as well, can yeah. not you? It's just like, oh, I do sound like an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <back."> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, if I could go back to day one of my business, I'd tell myself... You kind of answered that
1: already. Yeah, but if I could go back to day one, I'd say really focus on your emotional intelligence and understanding how people work, because whether that's relationships or funding or anything. Yeah.
0: If I had to describe myself as a businesswoman, (laughs) I would say that.
1: I'm very open and transparent. I'm also very caring. I really care a lot about people. Mm -hmm. Um, I really care, yeah, I really care about people and their development. I guess vulnerable and transparent, but also very, I think, courageous. Mm -hmm. I yes, like big do. things. <laughs> I like to uh, take on big, big. life world tasks, yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. going to add
0: one for you. If you could describe yourself as a boss, what would you say?
1: Um, I'd say I'd be, I'm more of a coach than a boss. Okay. So I call myself chief coach. So always getting people to come up with things themselves and ask questions rather than saying this is how you yeah, do it. like
0: you don't direct. Yeah, yeah, I
1: don't direct. But when needed to, I'll step up and come up with, okay, this is all on my shoulders, I'll do it. But generally I'll be more, yeah... Coach, chief
0: coach. Amazing. And very lastly, um, dum dum dum. <laughs> I want my legacy to be that.
1: I want my legacy to be that people and businesses bring humility and humanity back to the core of everything they do. So whether they're a tech company or a product company or anything, what is the impact on people and the planet? Mm-hmm. And let's start treating each other with love and kindness um, and like we're real humans amazing thank you no thank you so much for having me it's been great
0: thank you for listening to she can she did if you fancy being a complete star and doing your good deed for the day please feel free to rate review and subscribe on itunes to give the she can she did series a little boost and help others to find it you can also attend the Midweek Mingles. The She Can She Did event series for female founders and aspiring female business owners, featuring a whole lot of business inspiration and the all-imported GTs in equal measure. For more information and to book your ticket, head to www.shecanshedid.com. I would love to see you there.